Welcome and thanks for tuning in to Diving Deep with DL. Why would anyone want to stand in the middle when you must be on one side or the other? Your car only goes forward and backward and neutral is motionless. You gotta be going in one direction or another. You know there are only two places God's word confirms where all humanity will end up, right? Or do you believe there's some gray area where souls get to float around in uncertainty as God tries to make a decision about their eternity? When you read, study, and meditate on God's word, you find that God makes it clear there's only the kingdom of heaven or the fiery hell, no gray area. When we dive in today, you will see there's no gray area with God. And if you try to float there, you may find yourself spewed out from his presence. You got your tanks. Let's dive in. This segment is titled Discipleship the Way of Life, NGA. Now you've been listening to me long enough to know that I often say there's no gray area. That's your NGA. Because in our culture today, there are so many that try to maintain a safe place. And that's the gray area. And anyone opting for that position makes me wonder why. Why would anyone want to be in a place where there's no loyalty, no allegiance, no devotion, no real commitment to anyone or anything, when being committed proves what you believe and therefore you act upon it? You believe God, you act upon his words. Or you'll believe the devil and act upon his orders. NGA. And then would that confirm why so many are motionless? Because they like the gray area? Because it gives the illusion of being a safe environment? I truly believe the scheme of the devil is to create the illusion that a gray area exists and thereby deceiving the many to believe that God has a space where spiritual indecisiveness is a dwelling place. The danger of that mindset is, though, it allows the devil to continue to deceive, and he's succeeding at keeping them there. Look around you. What do you see? Don't you want to be a disciple God uses as his instrument to bring the good news of God's salvation to every man? Since you are proclaiming him, right? Do you remember your feet? So what do your feet look like? Beautiful or ugly? And I know it's easy to say beautiful, but remember, it's God's perspective, not your own. So, what would God say about your feet? Would he say beautiful or ugly? NGA? Yes? I pray that over these Godcasts, you're beginning to realize you must be a goer and maker in God's harvest as his disciple for the many that need to hear his gospel. And I pray you have now removed the man in front from the responsibility because now you realize that his role is for the saints to get charged up when we return emotionally and spiritually depleted from a week's work in the harvest. So each week the man in the front's responsibility is to charge up the laborers so we can get back out on the battlefield and take on spiritual warfare with God's helmet breastplate, girdle, shoes, shield, and sword. Amen? Because the many believe the illusion that they can remain in a state of uncertainty, which 
truly amounts to unbelief, which is really spiritual darkness. Because they will either believe the illusion of the devil, that there is a gray area, or the truth of God, that there is no gray area with God, and it doesn't exist. So there you have it, NGA. You see how NGA applies, don't you? When there's an either, or, and, one or the other, a decision must be made because there is no gray area with God. And as we dive in today, you do have a choice, or it will confirm where you walk in your heart and whether you're walking in spiritual certainty or spiritual uncertainty. You will either believe what humanity in its flawed, depraved state says, or it will be in the light of what God says and his absolute truths alone. Remember, faith alone in God alone. Now, another practice that you've experienced with diving deep with DL is when a key point is addressed, a question usually follows. Am I right? And I would expect that God the Holy Spirit desires for you to cogitate on the points that he's making in this channel of communication to you and the world. So, may I ask, what do you do when there is a question that follows the content during your time with me? Do you ponder it or do you just let it go in one ear and out the other and move on with your day or night? But when you read God's word, if you do, do you practice the same? So you will either hear, take note, and act upon the promptings of God, or listen and disregard them. You should know what's about to follow, NGA, right? So, we are talking about deception of the devil or the truth of God, and here's your first case where NGA applies. Now, one truth is this. NGA with God is a truism. It isn't something yours truly made up. No, it's just the plain old truth. And the following passage will confirm for you that there's no gray area with God. Because if God did have a gray area, he would surely have it right here where we're going if he had it anywhere. Now, Remember when I suggested a few Godcasts ago that you need to get a red-letter Bible because the red letters are Jesus' speaking? Well, this passage we're about to read is in all red. So listen. It's Luke 16, 19-31, titled, The Rich Man and Lazarus. Now there was a rich man, and he habitually dressed in purple and fine linen, joyously living in splendor every day. And a poor man named Lazarus was laid at his gate, covered with sores, and longing to be fed with the crumbs which are falling from the rich man's table. Besides, even the dogs were coming and licking his sores. Now the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. In Hades he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and saw Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus so that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool off my tongue, for I am in agony in this flame. But Abraham said, 
child. Remember that during your life you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus bad things. But now he's being comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, there's a great chasm fixed, so that those who wish to come over from here to you will not be able, and that none may cross over from there to us. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, that you send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, in order that, that he may warn them, so they will not also come to this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. But he said, No, Father Abraham. But if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. So, if you believe Jesus still speaks to his disciples, then you should expect that he confirms the truth of his word from all initial converts and forever. Amen? So now let's dive into the pure milk of the word in Luke 16, 19 through 31. I want you just to consider for this brief review because there are many certainties you can conclude from God's word based on your circumstances, events, and trials and where you are on the linear line of time. Remember, God's living word is in real time, but all pertaining to the truth, you can believe that. Here are a few certainties from the truth of God in Luke 16. Physical death does come to every man, but spiritual death does come and not everyone will be in Abraham's bosom. It doesn't matter who you are, you have a date set with death. Death is final for every man. You're locked in as a believer in the only true God or an unbeliever. You will either live in the truth of God or not, NGA. Your eternity is set in motion and there will be no change to your position or condition forever. Every person will stand before the judgment seat of God. God's judgment comes immediately after your final breath on this planet. The proof? Lazarus was in Abraham's bosom and a rich man was in Hades. Therefore, this confirms God's judgment was imposed right after they died. You have the physical and the spiritual. The physical, a man was rich and a man was poor. One lived in splendor and one in poverty. One lived joyously and one in agony. One had great quantity and one was longing. One had much, and one had none. One was on the inside, and one was on the outside. One was carried away, and one was buried. One received the good things of life, and one the bad things. One was in silence, and the other pleaded. The spiritual, Abraham's bosom indicates eternal life, and Hades, eternal 
fiery torment. One is in the kingdom and one is in Hades. Hell is far away from God's kingdom. Repentance is necessary for salvation to come to anyone's tent. And spiritual darkness prevents hearing even if someone raises from the dead. Now, do you agree or disagree that there is no gray area? It's either the kingdom of God or Hades, and they are real places with real people, and some of those people you may or may not know them. So I'll ask you, Where's the gray area? And I even yet to mention the great chasm fix that separates God's kingdom and Hades. Cogitate on this. They are real places whether you desire to believe God or not. There's visibility from both places. Apparently, interaction is possible. And the chasm prevents entrance or leaving either place. No one will ever leave the presence of God and no one will ever escape the torment of Hades. Now Jesus testifies that heaven and hell exist, then they must. I would venture to say because he has seen them and heard what was said, do you believe him? That's why Jesus can say heaven is like. Heaven is like a mustard seed, leaven, a treasure, a merchant, a dragnet, the head of a household, and a landowner. Do you know why Jesus gives those examples? Because he knows and is able to give a practical relationship to help us understand it, relate to it, and anticipate it when that day arrives. So the real reason why Jesus told this story, it was not because he was using a parable. It was because he heard it and saw it when it happened. That's his why. One would expect that the rich man may have thought he was going to spend eternity in God's presence because of his wealth, fine clothing, splendor, and accommodations. And many perceive the poor man was cursed because of his trial, and the rich man was blessed because of his wealth. But based on what Jesus said, that was far from the truth of God and each of their eternities. Although the poor man had a very difficult life on earth, physical ailments, illness, and disease, yet he lives forever in the love, comfort, joy, peace, and wholeness of God. The rich man, on the other hand, who enjoyed the finer things of life on earth, riches, fine clothes, and abundance of food in a stately home, he will live in eternity of conscious pain, awful suffering, and agonizing torment in hell forever. The rich man knew why he was there. He also knew he was in completely indifferent to the plight of Lazarus. And the amazing thing is, his brothers must have passed by and saw Lazarus as well, because for him to raise from the dead and then go back to them, they surely had seen him, and none of them showed him love. None of them showed him sympathy or compassion whatsoever. 
And now, with no means for repentance, he just wanted to ensure his brothers would not end up where he is. And now his eternity has no relief from the pain, suffering, and torment. Every moment for eternity, a soul that's a dweller of hell will be reminded of the misopportunities and their rejection of the truth of the gospel and their refusal to live by God's word, truths, and commands. Now, you are a possessor of God's word, God's truths, his promises, commands, warning, light, knowledge, and spirit. Are you beginning to see why, as a disciple of Jesus, Jesus' command to go and make disciples is such an important calling on your life? And as God's calling is on every spot along the linear line of time, you can believe that. And now you know that the truth of God, why don't you want to share the way, the truth, and the life with all as you walk on the path of life? And if you don't, or you're not willing to do it? What should be the question you should be asking yourself? Now you tell me where the gray area is on what we just covered and see if you can find any with the following passages related to how you are to be as Jesus's disciple. Listen to this truth of God. You as a disciple of Jesus have an old self and a new self. The question is, which one of yourselves are you living in? The old or the new? Again, I will say, it's easy to say, oh, the new. But remember, it's not me that will be the judge of what you are proclaiming. Believe that. It's the patterns that you live out. This is where the word practice comes into one's spiritual existence. And whether you are practicing the deeds of the flesh or of the spirit, and that, my fellow disciple, confirms if God's word is alive in you. You ever hear the saying, your actions are speaking so loud, I can't hear a word you're saying? Could God the Holy Spirit be saying that in a whisper to you? Your actions are speaking so loud, I can't hear a word you're saying. And you're ignoring his prompting and conviction? Are you willing to ask those that are closest to you how you are walking? Are you willing to accept what they say as the truth of what they see? and how your feet really look like when you walk? Ask them. And when you hear a response that's opposing to God's word and truths, then this is where repentance applies in your life. And please understand, I know we don't hear that word very much today, but it's a very important word. Because the rich man thought it was. And as a disciple of Jesus, we know 1 John 1, 9 is a promise that we know, believe, and claim. Amen? So listen to what God says in Romans 6, 6. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him 
in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. What should you know since Romans 6.6 6 states with knowing this? It's the honest admission and acceptance that sin does dwell in your flesh, that left to yourself, you're capable of anything. You know that sinful acts of your old self must be crucified. So if you struggle with alcohol consumption, avoid it at all costs. If you struggle with illicit images, refrain from it at all costs. Because when you crucify them, you are demonstrating they are no longer being the vice that the devil has on you and you are getting broken away from that captivity. Ephesians 4.22 That in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit. So if you're proclaiming you have been saved and delivered from spiritual darkness and sin's bondage and captivity by the grace of God, you cannot continue to live in sin and think the grace of God and the blood of Jesus will cover your practice of it. May it never be. You must make a conscious effort to break the habits and control of sin that are deeply seated in your flesh and Push through your heart, mind, and out through your members. You must make a vigilant attempt to put off the old self that has come as a result of the fall of man, and every man is affected by it, whether one admits it or not. The first step to fully understand and one's need for God's gift of salvation and sanctification is to acknowledge sin's corruption has been passed on to you through the womb of Eve to every woman's womb. And through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, his disciples are raised to newness of life. Praise God! And they are no longer controlled by the power of sin and become alive and free in Jesus Christ. Listen to Colossians 3.9. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self and its evil practices. You intentionally lay aside your old self that was controlled by sin. And when you live a life of falsehoods, misrepresentations, slanders, untruthfulness, fibs, or just straight up lying, you take on the nature of the devil. Because the devil is the father of lies as Jesus testified in John 8.44. Therefore, you are either a child of the only true God, or a child of the devil. If you lie, you tell me where the gray area is. Is there such a thing as half lies and half truths? And then you get to the better side, if you will. The light. The old self's in darkness, the new self is in light. So as a disciple of Jesus, listen to Ephesians 4.24 and put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, having been created in the righteousness and holiness of the truth. Now remember John 14, 6, the truth created in Jesus. When you become a disciple of Jesus, you become a new creature. 
Remember 2 Corinthians 5.17? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things pass away. Behold, new things have come. You have new principles. You have new perspectives. A new mindset regarding God's love, grace, mercy, and forgiveness. The Spirit of God now is alive in you. And you now begin a journey as Jesus' disciple toward the narrow gate. You have a new heart, a new spirit, and your mind is being renewed by the word of God. And God, the Holy Spirit, empowers you and gives you the capability to begin to live the life God promises to his disciples. A life of holiness and righteousness. Praise God. Colossians 3 is titled, Put on the New Self. And Colossians 3, 1 says, Therefore, if you have been raised with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. As a disciple of Jesus, you now set your heart, your mind, your soul, and your spirit upon God and take off the things of the world and its lures and its lusts. And as you walk each day, you should be and have a spiritual desire to grow into a more deep and intimate relationship with God every day. We have been blessed by God that he would raise us. As you know, the dead cannot raise themselves. And the same is with a person who's spiritually dead. They cannot make themselves alive. Therefore, as a disciple of Jesus, God has made you alive. So you trust in God, the Holy Spirit, to lead, prompt, and teach us in the ways of God. You see his love, his grace, his mercy, and you keep seeking those things above and not the things of the world. And in Jesus, we have union and communion with God now and forever. Can I get an amen for the union and communion with the only true God? And finally, Colossians 3.10. And have put on the new self, who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. As disciples of Jesus, you acknowledge you've turned away from sin. That's repentance. And now embrace the source and attentiveness to Jesus and his commands. Because you now realize that Jesus is not only the creator of all things, but he is the creator of you as a new disciple, a new creature in him. You are intentional in putting off the old man and its unrighteous deeds of the flesh and put on the new self with the fruit of the spirit being alive in you. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. As I communicated in a Godcast titled, How Deceptive is Deception?, I was meditating on the point there's no gray area regarding God's truths. And God interrupted my meditation and said this, Do not be deceived. Don't you know there's a great chasm fixed between the kingdom of God and hell? 
and there's not one soul standing on it trying to decide what side they really want to be on. No, you are either in the kingdom or in hell. So if there's no gray area at that point of eternity, then there's no gray area anywhere along the linear line of time. Believe that. I was talking to a fellow disciple the other day, and he, he told me about this statement he had heard and from one of his pastors. I can't remember who it was. The name escapes me at this moment. But it's something you should put in your tank today to think about when you're listening to anyone. You cannot talk about something you don't know any more than you can come back from where you've never been. You cannot talk about something you don't know any more than you can come back from where you've never been. So if you're wondering why certain things that you would be expecting to hear and you don't hear them, I guess that'd be why. So you want to know what Jesus testifies as to what heaven is like? Because he knows and is there. And he left once and returned. And he's coming back to gather his disciples. You going? Now may I ask, where are you going to spend eternity? And something to ponder. Could it be different than what you may think or expect? As we head back up, take this with you. Be careful how you pass judgment on those with much and those with few. Don't dwell on the circumstances. Focus on the opportunity to make disciples. When God said there's heaven, he also said there was Hades. You must believe what he says because you're going to find out one day. You can count on that. God knows his own by name. Have you ever repented? Is repentance a common practice in your walk? Being lukewarm is hazardous to your eternity. God provided his armor. He knows his disciples need it. You are spiritually unprotected and exposed to the devil without it. Have you got it on? God desires for his disciples to tend to the poor, and that would be the poor in spirit and the poor in a monetary way as well. So when death comes knocking at your door, what will it find when the door is opened? God says there should be one body and one spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. You tell me why there are so many that are different, then it must be one. So is it one or many? No gray area. The truth there's no gray area with God. Don't you believe that hype anymore? The truth, it's either truth or lies, hot or cold, sheep or goats, blind or see, cripple or walk, dead or alive, saved or lost, captive or free, belief or unbelief, mute or speak, 
old or new, good or evil, light or dark, God or Satan. Let me pray for you. Abba, we love you and we thank you for today. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Abba, you have commanded that you have your disciples as your chosen race, your royal priesthood, your holy nation, your people of your own possession, that we must live as one body, and as one body we exist in the body of Jesus. And not this body and that body, but in him. We are to be of one spirit, one hope, and one faith, and therefore as one, we are to be set apart from the world as your disciples, and not set apart from each other with this church and that church, this way of doing things and that way of doing things. We are to all be one in and through you because we are your disciples, your people, the sheep of your flock, not the flock of our church and that church and this church, but your church. Unite us in such a way and make it known that the work that of, is being created for division is the work of the devil by putting the illusion of what we measure success, growth, and recognition as means to measure up to the world's standards of success versus the many souls that need to hear the gospel and the truth of who you are and how you love them. Please remove the fleshly desires to want to impress more than to profess. So when you bring those souls to us who've yet to believe in you, they realize they are coming into your presence to experience your love, your spirit, your life, and not our presence. Make us the vessels that proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we might present every man complete in Christ. You've made it very clear today that there is no space or means for anyone to stand on the great chasm fixed. Then there's no gray area there. Then there's no gray area now. Empower us to be the disciples you long to see the work of Jesus as we go and make disciples. And we pray today that your eyes stop on us. Thank you for today. Thank you for listening. Thank you for moving. Thank you for responding. And thank you, thank you, thank you for Jesus. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for tuning in to Diving Deep with D.L., the Lord's loving kindness indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Have a great week of worship and keep walking the way.